RTHK News. It's one o'clock. I'm Sean Kennedy. The headlines. A member of the Polytechnic University medical team slams police handling of the situation. Six protesters at the university surrender but doesn't ignore calls to give themselves up. And police confirm plans to beef up security at polling stations for Sunday's elections. A man who says he was part of a medical team at Polytechnic University when violent clashes erupted on Sunday says the actions of the police fell far below into accepted international norms. Tom McElinden reports. In a letter to the Lancet Medical Journal, Darren Mann says the police action sends a chilling effect that could deter other would-be volunteers from offering their medical services. He says he left campus on Sunday night before police placed a cordon around the university and stated that those inside would be arrested for rioting. He says he later saw a photograph showing at least 16 people in high-visibility vests and labelled as medical personnel detained for rioting. He said the arrest of medical personnel in such situations was almost unheard of in civilised countries. Police have said they were concerned that some protesters were masquerading as doctors. Mr Mann also said police misleadingly claimed that they invited the Red Cross to help injure protesters on campus. He says he called both the Red Cross and Médecins Sans Frontières early on Monday morning to seek their help. As social media messages circulated about injured students unable to receive care. Six people have left the Polytechnic University where dozens more anti-government protesters are still believed to be hiding out as the police siege enters its sixth day. They surrendered to police in the early hours of this morning. A school principal who helped negotiate for students under 18 to leave the campus without immediate arrest says the people inside were very distrustful of authorities. Principal Tai Tak Ching from Tang Shu Kin Secondary School says he's prepared to return to the campus. We know that there were still a handful of secondary students inside and others is die-hearted. We principals and also the clergy and also the lawyers and also other people try to persuade them, okay. And at the end, we just leave our numbers, our telephone numbers for them. So when they thought about it, if they really want to leave a campus safely, they can call us and we can go into again and escort them out with the same deal as previously. Meanwhile, the police commissioner, Chris Tang, has dismissed media reports that minors who left the Polytechnic University aren't allowed to leave Hong Kong. Mr Tang clarified that a person arrested at the airport was an adult. The uh, person in concern is age over 18 and he makes an excuse of uh, having, having a medical need and he uh, took an ambulance to the hospital. But without going into the hospital, he immediately uh, left the scene. So that's the reason why we have to make arrest action. The police repeated calls for those still holed up at the university to surrender, saying they still hope to resolve the incident peacefully and there's no deadline for when it has to end. And the police commissioner also confirmed that there will be a high-profile police presence around polling stations for the district council election on Sunday. He says this is to ensure safety and so people can cast their ballots without interference. He says people will feel safe if police are present. Violence may uh, uh, deter people to walk, but by uh, having sufficient police presence, we are there to ensure the safety of the voters. So uh, we, we are there to ensure safety. So that's the reason why I appeal no violence on that day. If there's any violence, we'll deal with it immediately, without any hesitation. Hong Kong's last colonial governor, Chris Patton, says a claim from Beijing that only the central government can declare the SAR's laws unconstitutional is a breach of the Sino-British Joint Declaration. He's written to Britain's Foreign Secretary, Dominic Raab, urging him to intervene. Steve Dunthorne reports. 
Lord Patton says in his letter to Dominic Raab that it's quite wrong for the central authorities to argue that only Beijing has the power to declare a law unconstitutional. He criticised comments from a spokesman for the Legislative Affairs Commission who said in response to a High Court judgment that only the NPC Standing Committee can rule on the constitutionality of legislation here. Lord Patton says that the 1984 Joint Declaration clearly states that the SAR will be vested with with executive, legislative and independent judicial power, including that of final adjudication. Australia's former spy chief says China is seeking to take over the nation's political system with an insidious influence-peddling campaign. In his first interview since leaving office, Duncan Lewis told the Sydney Morning Herald of cases of Chinese agents making large contributions to Australian political parties and targeting media and the country's universities. He resigned in September after five years with the Australian Security Intelligence Organisation. Beijing has previously denied such allegations. The first week of public hearings has ended in the impeachment inquiry into President Trump. Summing up the proceedings, the chair of the House Intelligence Committee, the Democrat Adam Schiff, claimed Mr Trump's conduct was worse than that of President Nixon, who resigned in the aftermath of the Watergate scandal. What we've seen here is far more serious than a third-rate burglary of the Democratic headquarters. What we're talking about here is the withholding of recognition in that White House meeting, the withholding of military aid to an ally at war. That is beyond anything Nixon did. The Republican Congressman Chris Stewart denounced the Democrat-led inquiry. For those who hate the president, they haven't changed their minds, but there's a lot of Americans who look at this and they think, is that it, really? You're going to impeach and remove a president for this. Zero evidence of any bribery. Zero evidence of extortion. Zero evidence firsthand of any quid pro quo, and yet impeachment is almost inevitable. The final witness, the former U.S. national security official Fiona Hill, says she was worried that U.S. foreign policy was being mixed with domestic politics. As Republicans and Democrats have agreed for decades, Ukraine is a valued partner of the United States, and it plays an important role in our national security. And as I told the committee last month, I refuse to be part of an effort to legitimize an alternate narrative that the Ukrainian government is a U.S. adversary and that Ukraine, not Russia, attacked us in 2016. These fictions are harmful even if they are deployed for purely domestic political purposes. Israel's Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu has responded angrily to his indictment on corruption charges. He said those behind the investigation hadn't been after the truth, they'd been after him. This evening, we are witnessing an attempted coup against the Prime Minister with false charges and a contaminated and tendentious investigation process. But I think you need to be blind not to see that something wrong is going on among the police investigators and the prosecution. The British Foreign Secretary Dominic Rubb has announced that a number of orphaned children whose British parents died in Syria are being returned to the UK. No more details have been given, but it's understood the children were living in areas which used to be controlled by the Islamic State group. Mr Rubb said this was the right thing to do. This evening we're in the process of returning back to the UK a number of orphaned British children from the conflict in Syria. We look at the cases individually very carefully, and in these circumstances it's the right thing to do. These children should be safe and sound here in the UK at home, not caught up in that vicious conflict. I hope they'll now be given the time, the space and the support to return to some kind of normal life. 
A man in the United States has been found guilty of money laundering and fraud for his role in a digital currency scam based in Bulgaria. Mark Scott was accused of helping the founder of the cryptocurrency OneCoin use offshore banks and shell corporations to funnel 400 million US dollars of investor money into private accounts. Here's the BBC's Samira Hussein. Investors worldwide were led to believe that OneCoin was a legitimate digital currency being run out of Bulgaria. Prosecutors in New York said it was in fact a Ponzi scheme that attracted billions of dollars from investors around the world, but has no real financial value. Its founder, Dr. Ruya Ignatova, has not been seen or heard from since 2017. In his defense, Mr. Scott's lawyers said their client had no idea OneCoin was worthless. The World Health Organization has warned that four-fifths of children aren't getting enough physical exercise. The analysis of 11 to 17-year-olds is the first global study of childhood activity. The researchers found that studying time spent in the digital world and unsafe roads all contributed to the lack of exercise. The study's lead author is Dr. Regina Guthold. The percentage of those not meeting the recommendations ranged from 66% in Bangladesh to 94% in the Republic of Korea or South Korea. So the message is really, we find a high prevalence pretty much everywhere. The Pacific island nation of Samoa has declared a state of emergency after a deadly outbreak of measles. The deaths of 16 children have been linked to the disease and there are hundreds of other suspected cases. The BBC's Philip Mercer is in Sydney. Samoa has declared a state of emergency. All schools have been closed to try to stop the spread of measles and a compulsory mass inoculation scheme has been ordered. Experts say the outbreak was entirely predictable given the country's low vaccination rate. Infections have swept through parts of the South Pacific. New Zealand and Tonga are the worst hit. Australia has sent medical staff to help Samoa contain the outbreak. Two treasure hunters in Britain have been found guilty of stealing a hoard of Viking coins and jewellery worth nearly four million US dollars. The pair used metal detectors and dug up the treasure. They were required by law to declare it, but instead began selling it. The fines liaison officer for Herefordshire, Peter Reville, found about the dis- heard about the discovery and contacted police. These two guys found some objects and went on to social media and and said this is what I found uh, which allowed the museums to then say to start asking some questions of them and the, the, the British Museum have been working very hard along with the police to try and gather as many of the ones which may have been dispersed. The items are more than a thousand years old many still haven't been recovered. Gareth Williams from the British Museum says what the men found is historically important. This is certainly one of the most important hoards to turn up from the Anglo-Saxon or Viking period. This hoard dates from the very moment that England as a single kingdom is taking shape. So you could argue this is England's first hoard. Financial markets now and currencies. The US dollar is trading at 108.363 yen. The euro stands at 1 US dollar 10 cents. The pound is worth 10 Hong Kong dollars and 10 cents. A short time ago, the Hang Seng Index was at 26,526, 60 points up on the previous close. Turnover is $35 billion. And now with the sports, here's Adam Chung.
We start in the NFL, where the Houston Texans have gone top of their division after victory over their closest rivals. They beat the Indianapolis Colts in a battle of the AFC South. DeAndre Hopkins caught two touchdowns to give Houston victory by a score of 20 to 17. That's just a curtain raiser to a series of great matchups in Week 12. The two best teams in the league, the New England Patriots and the San Francisco 49ers, will both play host to a division-leading team. Here's a preview from RTHK's Ray Jovanovich. You've got the Dallas Cowboys in New England against the New England Patriots, who have a record of 9-1, and one, then followed by the real blockbuster of Week 12. That's the Green Bay Packers with a record of 8-2, and two against the San Francisco 49ers that also have a record of nine wins and just one loss. That's just going to be a terrific game. Aaron Rodgers against Jimmy Garoppolo, the two respective quarterbacks. Expect fireworks in that one. The new Tottenham Hotspur manager, Jose Mourinho, says he will not make the same mistakes at the club that he did in his previous managerial roles. The Portuguese replaced Maurizio Pochettino on Wednesday, ending an 11-month spell out of management following his sacking by Manchester United. Mourinho was also let go by Chelsea, where he won the Premier League three times. You never lose your, uh, your DNA, you never lose your identity. You are what you are for the good things, for the bad things. During my career, I also made mistakes and I'm not going to make the same mistakes. I'm going to make new mistakes. I'm stronger, I'm relaxed, I'm motivated, uh, I'm ready. And I think uh, the players, they felt that in two days. I'm ready to, to support them. This is not about me. It's about my club, it's about my club fans, it's about my players, it's not about me. I'm just here to try to, to help everyone. On to rugby now. Local Sevens veteran Ben Remini says the Hong Kong team are focused on the task of reaching the Olympics, even though they're seen as clear favorites to win the qualifying tournament in South Korea this weekend. Remini was part of Hong Kong's previous Olympic bid when they lost to Japan in the qualifying final four years ago. I guess so. We'll probably be uh, from the results from the Asian series. You know, we came second overall. Uh, we finished. You know, same points as Japan, uh, so we probably would be favourites going in and just by going off past results. But you know, we've got to embrace it and accept that we are probably the favourites from uh, people looking from the outside. And you know, there's always going to be pressure, so we've just got to absorb it and you know, and just carry on and do what we need to do and worry about us. Hong Kong will kick off their qualifying campaign tomorrow against Chinese Taipei. And as you look at sports. And to end the news, the top stories once again. A member of the Polytechnic University medical team slams the way the police handled the situation. Six protesters at the university surrender, but dozens ignore calls to give themselves up. And police confirm plans to beef up security at polling stations for Sunday's district council elections. The news from RTHK.
Afternoon and welcome to the One Two Three Show. I'm Sadia Usmani. My thanks to Phil for the morning brew. And on the show today, a new feature. We've got holiday hotspots from the Silk on the Silk Road, and it's going to be fantastic. My guest each week on a Friday will be taking you on a journey down the Silk Road. And this week we talk about Iran. And joining me just after one thirty will be intrepid traveler, adventurer, and entrepreneur Will Hatton, founder of the Broke Backpacker. He has some amazing stories to tell and some hot tips on what to see and do in Iran. So that's our first stop on the Silk Road today. So make sure you tuned in. He's going to be here right after one thirty. And then after 2.30 this afternoon, we catch up with one of the beneficiaries of the Operation Santa Claus campaign. Today, Jim Gould talked to the Hub HK, which runs a children and youth centre in Sham Shui Po. And we'll be finding out a little bit more about that. And of course, we've got some great music. So what else can you ask for on a Friday afternoon? (laughs) 